the thing that I, I want to to basically get across or for us to all come across together is this idea is we're about to, to move into the second half of Romans. So we're in Romans 12. Paul just broke off of theology and he says, therefore I urge you by the mercies of God. Looking at the mercies of God in Romans 1 through 11, I'm urging you to change your life. And that's what I'm asking you all to do. I don't want to just teach through the second half of Romans and then be like, all right, guys, move on to the next Bible study. Um, I want it to be different. So I want us to pause and I want us to actually take some time to think about the implications. I don't want us to just rush over obedience or the call and the urging that Paul puts across to the Christians here. How many of you just want to press on with life and not get any better and not grow? No hands. I believe everyone in their, in their heart of hearts here is probably sitting here because they want to grow, right? They want to grow deeper with the Lord. Well, one of the ways that we grow deeper with the Lord is growing deeper with one another. And theologically, I want to take this Romans 12, 1 through 2 passage, and what it says, and, then, and to get into some application of what that practically looks like before we get into the more practical commands that Paul gives us immediately within Romans itself. So let's pray real quick, and we'll move into it. Lord, thank you for this time together. Uh, give me wisdom, give me boldness and clarity, and help me to be brief, but clear. Lord, help everyone here, help us all to grow together. Uh, we all need to be sanctified uh, in greater, greater detail and in greater ways. We all need to take it seriously about making a game plan for our life, how we are going to execute living a godly and holy life in a more obedient, more passionate, more sold out kind of way for you. We're going to have to take a pause and look at our life, examine our life, examine ourselves, and see what needs to go in our life and what needs to be added, what needs to grow, what needs to be done more and what needs to be done less with the time that we have. And Lord, help us to all have a heart of wisdom, as King Solomon said, that the days are brief and the days are evil. Uh, the end of your life will sneak up on you before you know it. And you don't know when you're going to die. It could be this afternoon. And so, as Jesus tells of the parable, don't be a foolish virgin that is not ready for the day that the Master returns. Thinking that you have all this time to live however you want to, and to be unprepared. Or to be just generally a foolish Christian, perhaps. And to not take the commands and your words seriously, and to not eat this food, to eat spiritual food, and to make it a priority more than eating three meals a day. And how much time do we spend preparing three meals a day and eating those? So God, help us to, to treasure your word and put you and your word on the, in the place that it deserves in our life. And that is of preeminent importance. Amen. Okay, so 
Paul says, present your body a living and holy sacrifice. The Old Testament, they gave lots of sacrifices, right? It meant you gave to the Lord. And so you're supposed to be a living sacrifice to God. Your, your life is an ongoing life of sacrificial service. Giving up of yourself. Giving up of everything you are. And giving it to the Lord. Who's, who's giving everyone breath right now? And sustaining their existence. And are we mindful of Him at this moment? Maybe just a little bit. But man, think, think about it. Jesus Christ is the one who is sustaining us all right now with His power. And so are we going to take every moment and orient, renew our mind to think this way? Renew our mind to think of God constantly. Renew our mind to, to how we look at our work. Renew our mind to how we envision life. Renew our mind about how we farm, about how we ranch, about how we perform surgery, about how I do electricity, everything, about how you work on the tractor. It belongs to God. Every piece of metal, every blade of grass was made by the Lord. And we're here to be servants of the Lord and to look at everything as belonging to Him and how can I be a better steward? How can I think God's thoughts and live after God's thoughts and God's ways and be more like Him? So we need to do something. Presenting your body as a living and holy sacrifice means being transformed by something. How do we become a living and holy sacrifice? How do we present our body? Paul says primarily by the renewing of your mind. Our minds must be renewed to think after God. Where do we learn to think after God? You're not going to find it inside yourself. And you're not going to find it out in the world. But how much of the world's philosophy and thinking or doing or movies, music, what is influencing your thinking? Conversations with other men or women at work. How much time do you spend thinking about investing in the kingdom of heaven? When somebody starts talking 401ks or how to retire, how many of you are thinking about how to retire into heaven? Or do you immediately start thinking about stocks and other stuff like that? That's okay to a degree. But all of that investing and all of the thinking about the world's goods and the money ought to be for serving the master. Because everything that God may or may not give you can be taken away and then you have to go to heaven naked. If you look at the pharaohs, they acquired great gold. And a bunch of people stole all that gold. Mostly Britain. Most of Egypt's gold is in Britain right now. In museums. Okay, your life, nothing. You came into this world with nothing and you leave with nothing. But Jesus says you can leave with obedience. And I will reward you for everything you do on this earth for me. And I will burn up everything you did on this earth that was not for me as a believer. We need to renew our minds and so we can prove and test what the true will of God is in Scripture, as Brenda said. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect. 
So this is the process of essentially sanctification as, as we understand it. And Jesus says this in John 17, 17. Sanctify them in truth. But what is truth? Pilate said to Jesus later on. But Jesus says right here for the disciples to hear when he's praying to the Father, your word is truth. So we need to be sanctified. We need to be developed. We need to be transformed and have our minds renewed by truth, which is found in the word. So how are we going to move forward as a church together? Even as a Bible class, as an extension of this church. A, a, part, of, a part of, unfortunately, how, how many of you are patriots, kind of, to the, to the United States of America? Or you believe that there's a good sense that there is order and I need to be a loyal, good, dutiful citizen? That, that that's a, maybe a good thing. Okay, how much more so the kingdom of God? How many of you... Okay, we're in a very Midwestern, probably pro-military zone of America, right? How many of you, if, if war called, how many men would, would like stand up and be proud to stand up and be like, give me some armor, give me a gun, I'm going? Right. And I bet you a lot of women would stand up to cook meals and serve and do anything else they could to support the men that had to go, right? Okay, are you doing that for the church? Are you living that patriotically to the kingdom in the church? Because Jesus says the only thing that's going to ultimately matter is the kingdom. Where are you going to get rewards from? I have a few medals from the United States of America, but they're all going to be burned up. America is not going to be issuing me any rewards in heaven one day. God will be, if he saw my, my some of my service as loyal and good, so everything in your life, you need to look at yourself as a, a kingdom citizen, and that's the way it's talked about in the Bible. But how many of you are renewing your mind to think that way? To be like, I need to be loyal, sold out, dutiful. I need to be like a holy angel who's like, Lord, give a command. I am ready. I'm on point. I'm standing at attention. I want to serve. I'm ready to do anything you say in the word. You want me to love somebody who, who hurt my feelings the other week in church? Okay, I'll do it. I'll forgive, and I'll show hospitality. You know what? Maybe I'll crush their sin and pour lumps of coal on their head by having them over for a meal or sending them a card on their birthday. Let's be different. I'm asking us to be different together, to pause, and let's, let's not move on to all these commands we're about to learn about in Romans and think about how we're going to change our life. I want you to develop a game plan about how you're going to be a better Christian. And I want you to look at the word new and fresh in your life. We need to excel still more. Many of you are doing a wonderful job being a Christian. But man, everywhere Paul writes, he says, guys, you're doing well. Do more. Excel more. Be sold out more. Love more. You can't out-love Jesus. Okay? You can't outlove Jesus, and He's the model. God gave us each other as the church. We're about to read some more verses in Romans uh, 12, 3 through like 10. It's about our varying giftedness in the church. So we're going to learn about church dynamic, and that's why I have a 
churchy feel right now with this message. How are we coming together to do this? Before we learn about each other's variances and differences in the next few verses, I want us to think about being devoted to church before we even get there. Before we move forward under the next set of scriptures, I want us to think about how I can submit to God and live for Him in a greater way in the context of our local church here at Community Bible. Look around the room. Look at each other. Please. I look at you guys all the time. You guys look at me. We're just going to stare at you. <laughs> Are we here together? Yes? Yes. Now, God calls us to be a military type of unit on this world together. To build deep camaraderie. To develop a deep patriotism based upon this truth. To be united in the United States Code of Military Justice right here. <laughs> to, be, to be loyal to him and to his kingdom. Hey, the, the king is coming. Yeah. Many of you have read Lord of the Rings. Seen the movies. <laughs> Watching the movie in modern English is easier than reading Tolkien's English. It's a little bit old school. I know one man who might enjoy it in here. <laughs> Aragorn is coming. The king is coming. The king of man. And he's he going to smile on you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want you to change your life by thinking about having to meet Jesus in his brilliance and in his glory with the universe behind him and all power. I want us to start thinking with that vision and thinking with that life. I don't want us to just move on and be like, you know, let's just let's get off the status quo. Let's unite together in a deeper, deeper way. Let's be devoted to one another in Christian love because the king is coming and the king is going to look at us. And what's he going to say to you? He's given us so much. Let's live for the king. Yes? Amen. Okay, so the church, we are, the church is, is to be united together in love and in unity of the truth, okay? So we have our charter, we have our map, it's right here, sanctify them in truth, your word is truth, we have the word of God. And God is establishing his church on the earth. This is an extension of his kingdom, it's the starting of God's uh, kingdom in this modern age. It was Israel before that, the national Israel. Now God's nation is the chosen people of God amongst many nations that are f founding the church, which is being a salt and a light on the earth for the king. So we are being a lighthouse and a beacon for the king on the earth. And the way we need to come together is, how many of you remember Chance's first, um, Pastor Chance's first sermon series? What was it about? Church. It was about the church. It was about church order. It was about the pillars of the church. So today, I'm going to retouch on one of those things, and it's essential before we move on. One, I'm, I'm asking you to see what Scripture says. And two, I'm also asking you to see what Scripture says here, and that's going into Hebrews 13. The church has leaders. The church has leaders. Those leaders are called 
overseers, elders, and shepherds. And sometimes those terms are used as verbs and sometimes they're as nouns. So sometimes in the scriptures it'll say, you overseers shepherd the flock of God, meaning pastor. That's where we come up with our term for pastor. So he's telling the overseers that rule, episkopos, to shepherd, to pastor, and to, to care for the people. And then sometimes he says, uh, you elders, oversee well. Okay, and that's presbyteros for elders. That's where we get the term for the church, the Presbyterian church. It means elders. <clears throat> okay, so elders, leaders, pastors, overseers, synonymous terms here in the Bible. The writers of Scripture ask us to obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. Okay, everything I've just been describing to you about. Do you know why I want to, to, to build unity and I'm striving to get us to look at this in a different light? I believe that it's my responsibility to motivate you and give you a vision for God, for what Scripture says, and to try to see you, to persuade you to see it in the light that it truly is to bring you to the realization that the 401k is not as important as when the king comes and Aragorn says, <clears throat> Irv, Robert, men. Today I especially want to address men because men need to be challenged in a manly way. Women, I'm asking you to submit and follow your men and to Love them and encourage them in a very soft and gentle, womanly, biblical way. But do not try to usurp. Do not try to make him do something. Love him and serve him as Christ would serve the church. Wash the disciples' feet. En encourage him in soft and gentle ways to be a godly man and a leader. Don't tell him outright. The way that a woman does it, Peter says, is by being what she wants to see. And that doesn't mean that you take the reins and take charge. It means that you serve and love and do womanly things. And the men, most men, by God's grace, see their women and want to lead and be a better man. <clears throat> so that's how it works in the home, too. And in the church, you have leaders, and they have, to, they have watch over your souls. I believe it's my responsibility to watch over your souls, as this passage says. And I don't take that lightly. Genuinely, this is, this is the way it is in heaven. This is how I believe the Bible describes it in this verse and in other ones. Is that the pastors are going to be called for before their congregations. And Jesus is going to be like, did you exhaust yourself to wash them with the water of the word and to show them as best you could how to live for me in the word. She trained them in the word, washed them with the word. Did you show them how important it is with all these things to be focused on this day when you have to stand before me and for eternity? <clears throat> I have to give an account for your soul one day. And that's also why I want to talk about the theological implications of this passage before I move on. We can't move on in obedience unless you understand that I have to give an account for your soul one day. And that's why I want us to come together in a deeper way. Because this is godly growth. 
This is godly growth, and this is how we grow forward in looking at the king and the kingdom. Please don't make it a, a burden for me to disciple you or teach you. I want you to choose an elder in this church or a pastor and plan to bless them this year and bring them joy with your Christian walk. Don't wait for them to come to you. Maybe, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't been here a long time, but sometimes we can hurt our leaders in a really bad way, especially when it comes to church discipline time. Somebody's living in too much awkward sin that it has to be confronted and dealt with so the church can remain pure and we have to cast out sin sometimes. Thank God we're not in the time of Israel where most people would be killed and stoned for a lot of sins that we just put people outside for now. And that's for a good reason. One, so the church knows purity and we remain pure. And so also that brother or sister in air feels shame over their sin and they want to change. And God uses shame to cause repentance and growth. So it's, it's a good thing. There's God's purpose in it, even though it's really hard when it happens. Choose an elder, a pastor, to be kind to and to open up your life to. Okay, Elders have to give an account for your soul. How many of you believe that's true? Now, do you want to do that and bring them joy, or do you want to be the ones who um, bring them grief? And then there's, there's a, claw, a little clause here, I think. If you do bring them grief, it's going to be unprofitable for you. On the day of Christ Jesus, when we all stand before the throne, and the elders come forward to give an account for each of your individual souls, how you lived a Christian life underneath their leadership <coughs> and their ruling the church, is there, is there going to be profit to your account? Did you do a lot of good stuff underneath them and loving them? Or is it going to be unprofitable when Jesus looks at you and they give an account and a lot of stuff's going to be burnt up and you're going to have little, little joy to the master? Remember last week, John 15, 11, you bring Jesus joy and obedience and your joy will be made full if you obey Jesus. And now we're learning about a, a third group of people in God's kingdom plan and that's the leaders of the church the kingdom on earth for time I want you all to think about the importance of obeying your leaders submitting to them in a better more excellent way and loving them and bringing them greater joy this year greater joy if people approach you to talk bad about an elder or to gossip about anybody in this church tell them to stop Tell them it's going to be unprofitable for them on the day of Christ Jesus. The Bible says, don't bring an accusation against an elder except on the case of two or three witnesses. I know a church, a large church, several thousand people down in Houston, Texas, they have a rule for membership. If there's any gossip, gossip is the, their like number one sin that they'll throw anybody out of the church for. If you gossip to another member about another member or about an elder especially, you'll be thrown out of the church immediately. And you will have to show great repentance before you're allowed admittance back into the church. 
and your well, membership that rights. That be an empty church. I mean, you know, everybody <coughs> must be in some form or fashion. So that could be pretty empty. Maybe, maybe it's time for our church to grow then. Did you know that there are churches that are being excellent? If you read Revelation, some churches are doing excellent. No rebukes from Jesus. Other churches, the majority of them are bad and need to grow. They got some things to, to, to change. So we, we need to change as a church. We need to change as individuals and we need to change as a church body. And I'm praying that everyone in this room, many of you members, will encourage the other disciples in this church. Let's be the change we want to see in the Bible. It starts with us. Okay? Yes? Yes. In, in love. In love, yes. We can be resolute and have a serious mind, and then we express that outward in a spirit of meekness, gentleness, and love. But you can just straight up say, I'm not going to be a part of that. That's not good. I'm sorry, Jim or Sally. Can't be a part of that anymore. I don't want to participate in that. I think it's unprofitable for the growth of our church. I don't want to complain about things that I don't see being done in our church. I want to serve and magnify Christ and maybe fill in a gap that our church needs. God's gifted everyone here in this church to give and excel more to the church and to the king for kingdom and for God's glory, for Jesus Christ to be magnified and glorified. And it starts with us as individuals and then recognizing our members need to grow together and that we need to be in a better way bringing joy to the leaders. John says it brought him great joy. The Apostle John says it brings him great joy to hear of Christians walking in the truth. And that meant to him obedience. It's the same guy who wrote these two things. It brings him great joy to know Christians were walking in the truth. Which is right here. Bring your leaders joy. The leaders will have such great joy if the church is growing in unity, in obedience, in their love at home, in their service to the church, in their evangelistic zeal, in their knowledge of God's word so they can be more useful for ministry in the church and outside. One of our church's goals is evangelism. Yes, we want to see more people saved in the community. We can't do that if we don't know what scripture says, where it says it better. So we can give an account to other people outside for the hope that's within us. Knowing the themes, knowing the chapters where they're at, we need to spend more time in the study of God's word and less time on the trivial <laughs> things of this earth. What are some things in your life that can be okay but not okay? I'm talking about sports. What do you spend your time and stuff doing? And does Jesus Christ demand more of you, more of your time toward the church and the kingdom? Is the kingdom number one? Paul says bodily discipline, okay, I'm including sports, health, diet, exercise, is of some profit, he says, but godliness is of great gain for this life and the next. To me, that means that exercise is actually second to studying the word. How many people spend a lot of time working out? <clears throat> studying the word and changing your mind should be 
greater place. But whatever it is, maybe it's watching somebody else exercise, meaning the big burly 300-pound men that smash each other on the line. <laughs> How many hours do you spend watching that? And then complaining about them when they're the ones working out and trying really hard. But how much time are you spending working out your mind in the gym of God's Word? Can it be better? Can it be more? How can I honor Christ better? I don't know what it is. Okay, but, okay, so we need to come together as a church. We need to know each other better. We need to put a high priority on the king and the kingdom. And I want you to find elders that you can love in the church. Knowing how serious this verse is, that they have to give an account for your soul. And that you're going to have to answer to Jesus for it one day. And they're going to have to answer for it as well. If they were lackadaisical about trying to wash you and make you better, or if they just kind of stood back and didn't matter. But remember, change starts with me, 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 with you. Let's be better. Let's be better together. When 3,000 souls were saved at Peter's preaching, right after Jesus ascended, they got together all the time and ate bread together. It says they broke bread, whatever they had. They were so excited about the kingdom, they just they, they sold things. They gave up life, and they gave time to love and serve each other and to be with each other. So excited about the king and the kingdom. So how are we going to move forward? What's your game plan? Mm -hmm. 